TV Campfire Podcast. I was like, yep, okay, so you win for the week. <laughs> <laughs> We're here. I hate to sound like a broken road. Oh, no! <laughs> We're fans. It's one of the best things on television. Oh! oh! All right, we got you a hold of Oh, no, you didn't. We talk TV. That was the best scene ever. Like, All that right, blew I'll- me away. It was absolutely amazing. I just couldn't believe it. Welcome to the show. This is podcast number 507, and I'm Libya, your host, and this week we have returning guests. Hi, this is Tom, and I'm professor of communication and media studies at Palm Beach Atlantic University in Florida. Hi, this is Allison, and I write reviews for Weednopolis. Hey, this is Peter. I write for uh, whysoblue.com, and I'm on Instagram and Twitter as Pajamo. All right, let's start off with the news. First up, I have that the Moody's, I believe, are canceled at Fox after two seasons. Uh, Grand Army was canceled at Netflix, and Legendary was renewed for season three at HBO Max. And Tom, I believe you have more news. Yes, I do. Uh, first off, streaming over has overtaken broadcast TV. Uh, it went from 18% in May of 2020 to 26% in May of 21. So wow. broadcast TV is on the wane. Surprise! Well, it's always been on the wane. So yeah, but um, Apple TV Plus has announced that Edie Gathigi from the Blacklist is joining for All Mankind season three. Disney Plus has decided that Wednesday is the new Friday. It will be the new drop day for all Disney Plus series. Since Loki had great, uh, a lot of people would sample Loki on Wednesday versus Friday. They'll still drop original movies on Fridays, but starting in July, all the original series will drop on Wednesdays. Also at Disney+, Plus, the Beatles' Get Back documentary by Peter Jackson is now going to be a three-part miniseries and will drop around Thanksgiving time. Uh, HBO Max, Gene Smart revealed by thanking Sigourney Weaver for turning down the role of Lori Blake. So evidently, that's who they really wanted, but it, something did not happen. And uh, she didn't get the script till a couple days till her production started, which is kind of interesting, but she was great in that. Uh, in the Heights, contrary to previous reports, the ratings on HBO Max were quite good and better than previously reported. Uh, Hulu has picked up the Hardy Boys season two. I didn't even know season one was available. Lifetime has announced that they're going to be making Highway to Heaven telefilms with Barry Watson from Seventh Heaven and Jill Scott, formerly of Black Lightning. Farewell Manifest, we shall not miss thee. Canceled after three seasons, I bailed after a couple episodes. I was like, I bailed in season one. Yeah. I bailed in episode one. NBC and bailing. Uh, Megan Boone is leaving the blacklist and Allison is delighted and doing her happy dance because <laughs> <laughs> her camera's not on. Um, happy days are here again. <laughs> yeah, okay. um, Netflix announced that the name of their anime spinoff of The Witcher is The Witcher colon Nightmare of the Wolf and it will focus on Vesemir who will show up in live action during season two. Uh, Paramount uh, I think I already announced that. Uh, Peacock pick, picked up Girls 5 Eva for season two. Uh, Showtime gave a series order for American Gigolo starring John Bernthal. St- and Star's Dangerous Liaison series has cast 14 
But the two big names are Leslie Manville for Fa- from Phantom Thread and Clarice Van Houten from uh, uh, Game of Thrones. Who did they play in Game of Thrones? She was uh, Leslie Manville was the female lead of Phantom, Phantom Thread, and Clarice Van Houten was the Red Witch. Oh, okay. All right, let's start off with the shows. First up, we're going to talk about Superman and Lois. And this week's episode was the one that that basically reveals that I thought that he was like, hello, brother. I thought he was just saying, we're brothers because we're both from Krypton. He meant, no, we're literal brothers. And I went, wait, what? And so they had to explain it. And I was like, "Eh." yeah, I'm like, I'm not sure how I feel about that. Um, but it does I when you read the signs black on Krypton. <laughs> well, it was just, I mean, I get now that I've watched Krypton, I kind of understand how the whole breeding thing works. So it makes sense logically if you've watched Krypton. If you have not watched Krypton, what they're talking about is like, wait, what? Like, it seems really confusing. Um, or I guess if you read the comics, I guess that or that seen the or seen Man of Steel. Oh, they do talk about it in Man of Steel. That's true. Anyway, I did not like the literal brother aspect of it. And I also the biggest plot hole to me, which was... Uh, so he blows up the... I did like that we got to see his mom. That was very cool. But then when they do the thing where he sets off the bomb and everybody gets reset back to their original personality, they were all flying in the air... <laughs> And then they got turned back to humans, and I was like, uh, are they all going to die? Is he going to yes, catch everybody? They all standing. Marks on they're the ground standing. at that point. Right, and they're all, and I was like, wait, what happened? Like, there's no, ex- that was just ridiculous. And I'd also like to point out, even if you transfer a Kryptonian consciousness into a human body, that does not make them Kryptonians and have, give them powers. The whole point of Krypton's having powers is because they're genetic makeup and they get power from the yellow sun. If they're human, what? Come on. Blood hole. Weet, weet, weet. Oh. <laughs> One among many. Yeah. But... And, and also there's there's the um, uh, edges, edges like uh, second in command. Right. Yeah, and if if she's done the same way as everybody else is, how come she didn't? Because she wasn't there. He had her hiding off in the cut somewhere. So she was out of range of that bomb that he set off. Well, well but it was... except that's where their consciousnesses were being held, so it should have destroyed that, and she should be... No, just... they very No, they very clearly said, if you've been controlled by the other consciousness for too long, it won't change you back. They do say that. Yep. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah. yeah, you're right. Okay. But, yeah, there were plot holes. <laughs> yeah, but come on. It's a comic book show. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, thought the, emotion, the emotional payoffs were pretty good. The scene where the daughter confronts her father and he's just, like, yelling at her and threatening her, yeah. that was pretty creepy. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah. yeah. And I actually was mad at Jonathan because he was like, she deserved to know the truth. I was like, did she deserve to have that happen to her? And he was like, uh, maybe not. Like, I felt like <laughs> his whole self-righteousness that he's got going on right now, because he's mad at his grandfather, he's mad at he's mad at a bunch of things, and he's kind of acting out because he's like, everyone deserves to know the truth. 
And then he ends up letting her confront her crazy dad, and that was a that was a bad that was a bad thing. So I really I agree that the whole emotional payoff of the episode was was really good. Like I really enjoyed his him getting to talk to his mother, Superman talking to his mother, and they had a really good moment. She talked to to Lois, and all of that was great. I was like, show her her grandchildren. Like I was just I was invested. In that, and so, even though they had technical plot holes you could drive trucks through, the emotional ramifications were still really good. So the show, that's how they avoided the whole Berlanti trap, is that even when they have stupid plots, they still bring the emotional content. So, anyone else thoughts, comments? Nope. All right. Let's move on. Next up, we're going to talk about Loki. And this is episode two, and it was called The Variant. And I will have to say, it was relatively obvious that Loki, that the variant that they were chasing wasn't Loki pretty early because they kept not showing his face. If we're supposed, the big reveal at the end of the first episode is, oh my God, it's Loki. And then the second episode, they shouldn't have, they should have just shown us that it was Loki, but they didn't. They still kept having uh, the person in shadow and covered. And I was like, wait a minute, is this Loki? Like, and, I, and I think I said, oh, this is not Loki before they did the reveal, but probably not as soon as I should have. Um, but yeah, I like, and I can say that I was not surprised at all that Loki's plan is actually to take over the Bureau or the, what do they call the... The time variant authority. Yeah, so his his idea yeah. to take it over, I was like, of course that's his idea. That totally makes sense in Loki's mind. Um, but I'm curious on what, whoever the heck this chick is, what her plan is. I have no idea what she's trying to do. Well, t- technically she is Loki. She's Lady Loki. Is Lady that what she's Loki. supposed to Is that what she's she is? She's Lady Loki. And uh, yeah, I'm... How, I, do you, I, how was I supposed I, to know I, that? Was I, I supposed to... Right. She's got the horns. I did, yeah. I did. But the thing is, I mean, like every time I've seen her depicted in the comics, I'm not a huge comic reader, but still, you know, I mean, I do like Loki, so I am aware of Lady Loki, and she's always been, you know, illustrated to look essentially like a female version of Loki. You know, the long black hair and the the whole thing, and 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 instead we get this sort of strawberry blonde kind of mousy looking woman and I, I'm like what? <laughs> I was very confused by that. Well, I, did not I, I mean if she's got the yeah, if she's got if she's got the characterization, I don't care what she physically looks like. If she behaves like him, I'll be fine. Well they did it apparently on purpose because the the actress I I, I looked her up and her she normally has dark brown hair. Not black hair, but dark brown hair. <laughs> so they made a decision to to make her look like that. So I'm I'm ne- I'm interested in finding out w- what the rationale is. But uh, I mean, it can't be just well make her look different because just by being female we do that. Um, so I I'm interested in in terms of what they're going to do with her character. She's like she's obviously got an agenda all her own, and and way ahead of the Loki we know. So um, I'm intrigued by that. I was just very puzzled by by what they did with her physically. Uh, what do you think, Tom? Uh, for me, what's making the show work well is the chemistry between Hiddleston 
and Wilson. Mm-hmm. Because and these first two episodes, especially the the especially number one, but these first two episodes are really expository. And so a, a critic friend of mine said that they pick, you know, the action starts picking up with episode three. So I'm hoping that that that's true. But okay. you know, I still the ratings are huge, and Disney Plus is very happy with the Wednesday premiere that they're, you know, they're doing something right. Yeah. And people love Marvel stuff, so. And I, I mean, I've got to say, I know people have been criticizing that there is a lot of exposition. There's a lot of talky talky, as as Wilson's Mobius would say. Um, but I enjoyed it. I liked the conversations. I thought they were interesting, and I thought that the the back and forth and the chemistry between the two characters is is really great. So I was happy to just see the two of them play off each other. I mean, maybe it's my, my theater background talking because I'm used to seeing actors standing on a stage just doing nothing but talking. But <laughs> it was it was fine for me. I, I was perfectly happy to watch them do it. Yeah, I would agree. Recognize B-15 from um, Lovecraft Country? What? B-15? What are you talking about? B-15, the big black woman. Oh, oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, oh, yes. yes I, I, yeah, I yeah, know the actress. Right. Yeah. yeah. All right, uh, so we're saying thumbs up for Loki, right? Oh, yeah. All right. So next up, we're going to talk Legacies. And this episode was strangely the big Star Wars episode, which I (laughs) never would have guessed that would be a thing. But apparently it's a thing. And then I was like, travesty. My editor, who is a big Star Wars fan, it wasn't his episode, and, and I was texting him while I was watching it. I was like, so are you crying right now that you didn't get the Star Wars episode? He was like, I worked on it! A little! <laughs> <laughs> what, what I thought was hysterical is oh. the episode's name was A New Hope, yes. right? actually descriptive of the plot, which was kind of cool. Well, I mean, I, th- I said that. I was like, oh, I see what you guys did there. I was like, nice. Yeah, so it was a nice little tribute. I love that the way that they actually allow this episode to happen is that the girls are still tripping from the drugs where they were all panda panda bears last week. But it's weird that they have, like, joint hallucinations. And I did like that it was all based on Lizzie's diary from when she was 11. So every excuse for everything. She's like, I was 11! I was 11! And that was That's fantastic for everything. Well, I yeah. guess the the rationale for them all seeing the same thing is that they all read her diary, right? Um, so you know they they all had their versions of this. Well, and then I but, like that it continued based on, and then Hope wrote like a continuation of the story. So I I, I like that it all kind of came together, and it was pretty cool, and. I, I have to say, uh, Alaric as uh, Obi-Wan, but like a drugged out high <laughs> version of Obi-Wan. Stoned, uh, I think is the word. Stoner, Stone, Obi-Wan. Stoner Obi-Wan. Yeah, there you go. Uh, that was pretty funny. Um, all of it. I thought all of the notes really worked. I, I, I don't even remember. What, the stuff in the real world was not as interesting, which is MG and Caleb trying to make up their friendship. I'm like... I never doubted that they were going to be besties again. Like, that wasn't even a question. So yeah, it felt but, like filler. I was like, yeah. you know, let me just fast forward through this, please, because there's really nothing happening here. Yeah, but I still wonder what they're going to do with Ethan, though, because he's still part of the main cast. Right, and now he's at a different school. 
Yeah, so you just wonder, you know, how that's going to work. That I don't know. I like Ethan, so I'm like, figure somebody turn him into something so we can get him at the school. <laughs> I don't or, particularly or, or care. Be the bat who's always in danger of dying. <laughs> <laughs> but I just want him to be at the school with the gang because I do like him. And now that I know Lizzie has a crush on him, I'm like, oh, that's cute. That was hilarious. That yes. was really hilarious. funny. Just, just all of that, you know. I mean, the the whole way they handled the homage to Star Wars was just great on every level, and and I'm, you know, the whole cantina bit was perfect, and of course, making him the Han Solo stand-in was perfect. Oh yeah. Um. So I just, it was, it was just a really, really fun episode. I love, I love legacies when they get really meta, when they just, you know, just do a wink and a nod and concede that, you know, yes, this is a TV show and we're just going to go here. Um, yeah. The only thing I didn't like was the very end when they revealed that the guy that came out of the hole was Clark. <laughs> as much as I don't like Landon, I like Clark even less. So <laughs> that's how low that bar is right now. It was fun seeing the, uh, the younger version of Hope that started on the originals before. The- yeah, I did. Yes, <laughs> yes. Except now she's as tall as the grown Hope, which is really confusing. There's <laughs> <laughs> like- nothing like her, but you know. But I still thought it was a nice, a nice call back. Use the same actress, so um, yeah. So that was a good thing. But uh, yeah, the thing is with with Clark is that I knew they were going to bring him back because we'd seen him make the little deal before so it was it was a given it was going to be him yeah. so it's, it's, i just i i i got can you know i i got my i got myself prepared for it let's put it that way uh, whatever he's just not interesting as a villain i just really and then he's smarmy as a good guy so blah. yeah i don't know all right i so. mean it's not impossible that they could they could write him in such a way as to make him tolerable but I just don't see it happening somehow. I, I, I hope his stay is a short one this time. All right. So we're saying thumbs up. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Big Shot. And this was the season finale. And yes, it was a nice feel-good, warm episode, which was balanced off by its extreme predictability, where you could see each note happening as it was happening and to the point where they didn't even show the basketball game. They were like, yeah, you knew we were going to win, so we'll just show you the end. And I was just like, come on, guys. That just felt so lazy. Um, but yes, it did make me feel warm at the end, but there was there was a plot line, which I'm going to let Peter talk about because he already ranted to me about it, and I know he wants to rant here, that I thought was a waste of time, energy, and screen time. So go ahead, Peter. Yeah, I mean, like, I was worried three episodes ago when they introduced that one of the characters has this really annoying aunt, and there's there was something about the aunt. I was like, wait, is this going to be that dumb thing where it's actually her mom? And it was. And it, first, <laughs> and, it and at first, it was kind of, like, fine, because then the character leaves. And you're like, all right. So they dealt with it really fast. But it, but no, then it comes back, and it's a big part of the finale, and it's just... It has no pay through, payoff. It has no payoff, and it's weird because I don't... I sort of don't like the... It is... I think it's a weird thing, and I'll, I'm curious to see what Tom thinks. Um, 
I think it's a strange thing to do that trope in today's world. Like, you can maybe do that, I don't know, in the 70s or 80s, but in the world we live in now, where we, where I think as a society, we're, we're pretty progressive about how it's not about your, it's not about biology, it's about who raises you. So, to me, it's never a question that I was like, no, the woman who raised you is your mom. That other person was, you know, she was young, she made mistakes or whatever, and she, you know, hopefully did the right thing to give you a better life. She is not your mom. So it's weird that they're trying to play that off now because she's related to her. Because it's like, oh, well, it's actually this person. And I'm like, yeah, but as I just feel emotionally disconnected, all my, all my sympathy is with is with the mom. And, and, they, and to be fair, they have that good scene where they're at the school and she's like, you know, eventually she's going to, you know, eventually going to blow her off or whatever, but, you know, she's not going to see me. And then, and then Corn, you know, and that, and that does tie into, what is it, the shiny penny? Yeah. Like, thing. like, and that's good. And I do like that. Yeah. I was like, okay, well, yes, they end, they do, they, they stick the landing. It just feels really unnecessary. I'm just like, I don't care about any of this. I'm like, I like this character, but no, it just, yeah, I didn't like that. However, Anyways, going back to the actual, the main finale, I agree. Um, the finale is pretty predictable because, assuming there's a season two, there's no way Corn can actually leave. Um, but I still enjoyed it. I liked, I liked his big speech. You know, I like, I like what he realizes. You know, which comes back to how they open with the flashback from the uh, what is it, Beth Macbeth? Oh, um, right. With Emma. <laughs> Yeah, with Emma, basically, you know, you have forsaken family for, you know, for fame or what I don't, I'm sorry, I don't remember what the exact quote is from Shakespeare. Um, but like, yeah, yeah, I still thought it was a good, a good, uh, a, a good finale. And I, I mean, I really like the characters. My biggest thing I'm hoping is I kind of do want, um, I forgot her name. Who's Holly. The Holly. I want Holly to take the job, not only because it would be interesting, it opens up the show. But then doesn't that mean in theory they could kind of date? Because while I do like Beth Macbeth's director, I think she's she's a better character than I thought she was going to be. Um, I think most of us are probably shipping Corn and the assistant coach. Like it feels like, well, yeah, that's that's where it's going. So if she's not subordinate to him and she's also a coach, I was like, oh, then in theory they could date and everything. So uh, yeah, so thumbs up on the season. I like I liked it overall, and uh, but yeah, sure, you know, predictable in a lot of ways. Tom, no, I thought I thought it was fine. I mean, come on, it is a Disney show. <laughs> <laughs> come on. So for for David E. Kelly's and and his his network fair for adults is known for completely insanely wacky plot twists and whatnot. But for this, I thought that you know. Considering he had no learning curve, I thought he did a pretty good job. And yes, all the beats were predictable. For me, the th the revelation that the would-be boyfriend is the one who did the bees, that was kind of cool. And the fact that Holly oh, yeah. really was offered the job for reals at the rival school, that was also very interesting. Um, whether Marvin ends up with Holly or with the drama coach, I'll, I'll just say it this way. Only one of them is a top-of-show main character. Right. right. <laughs> One, so, only one of them is number two. Yeah, only one of them is number two on the on the call sheet. So. Call sheet. <laughs> <Right. Yes. laughs> 
So, but I, I, overall, and, and and the plot with Destiny and her family. Um, by the way, shout out to Kayla Settle who plays her her mom slash biological aunt. She's the one who sang "This Is Me" in Greatest Showman. Don't like the movie, but love the song. Oh, nice. All right. Um, but I thought that you know, if you look at the season as a whole, they basically just rotated through the main girls to give each of them something to do, a mini arc for each of them. So right. Pretty That's much it. something for all five of them. Yeah, but I feel like that Destiny got the lame one. Yeah. Uh, let's move on. Next up, we're going to talk about Generation, and we're going to talk about episodes uh, 9 and 10, and episode 9 is called Deepfake, and it is... I'm reading the summary, and I'm like, I don't remember this at all. So someone <laughs> else... Because uh, I remember 10. <laughs> I mean, isn't, isn't that when um, Chester and... Um... The white kid decide to pretend that they're dating to drive his mom nuts. But that happens at the end of that episode. That's okay. that's the very end of the episode. Yeah, they, no, the, the, I think the the episode begins when he tries to go on a date at a skating oh, rink. Oh, he tries oh, going on a date with Bo. <laughs> yeah, he has that. Like the, the, the date from hell. It looked like a skating <laughs> rink at a Chuck E. Cheese. It was absolutely yeah. It was awful. it was it was Never awful. Up cheese. <laughs> yeah, it was it was uh his yeah his date with Bo was terrible. Like they said all the wrong things to each other they rubbed each other the wrong way just like every interaction it was yeah it was the definition of a bad first date vomit Mm -hmm. was involved twice yes twice not just once but twice Twice. (laughs) and and the fact that chester has just had more experience with swiping left and right and having just sex with people and has never actually dated anyone is so bizarre to me it's like but that's the new teenage world I think they're trying to tell us. Just yeah, terrifying. Um, and also there was the weirdness between um, uh, the two girls, the one who likes to hook up. And doesn't Greta like and Riley? Yeah. yeah. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Because obviously, Greta, I mean, they both are who they are, but there's still a connection between the two. Right. It, this This show kind of fascinates me because... Unlike Euphoria, where I pretty much hate everybody, <laughs> <laughs> on this show, I pretty much like everybody. Yeah, I like everyone. But it just gives me, these kids are a little bit younger than the students I've been teaching for 22 years, and it kind of gives me a window into their world. It scares the out of Exactly. Me. But it kind of yes. gives me a window into the pressures that especially high schoolers have felt because of this over-sexualization of everything. I mean, just the fact that Delilah, who just gave birth, is already starting to flirt with some other dude, but real is smart enough to realize last time this happened, bad things. Yeah, it did not end well. The thing is, when I watch this show, I mean, because God knows, I have I have not been a teenager for a real long time, and things were nothing like that. I know, right? Um, I just. I just wonder, I mean, how accurate is, is this Lena Dunham's idea? No, 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 what, no, no, no. She's not the, a No, no, no. The showrunner is 19. This, this is a father-daughter pair. Yeah, yeah. Created the show. Right. Okay. So, so yeah, the show, yeah. The, the, it, just, it just seems like, you know, I mean, maybe this is like one one 
microcosm of. I, I don't uh, think so. I, I, unfortunately and for you, I, I just can't imagine that I all think, teenagers everywhere across America are living these types of lives. I'm trying to tell you, it's it's more it's more common than you think. Uh, yeah. The um, the second episode where Chester and well, I can't think of the white kid. Nathan, name. Nathan. Thank you. Where Chester and Nathan are really, I texted Libya because. You know, Nathan's cruising to get his heart broken, and Chester, I'm hoping, is realizing that I hope he feels bad when he breaks Nathan's heart. But you can just see that this is such a colossal... It's a bad idea, yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially as Chester is really trying to forge his first probably real relationship with an age appropriate with Bo. Right. a good kid. I like yeah. their date. Their second date, not their first date. Their, their, yeah, second. their, second, their actual <laughs> real date... I really liked it. I thought it was super sweet. Yeah, and actually it surprised me considering how absolutely disastrous the first one was, not just on a on a, a level of where they chose to do it, but um his his date just it, I, Nathan is that the name of the character or Yeah, Nathan no, Chester is the guy Chester. who's on the date. Chester's dating Bo. Bo, okay. Um so Bo just came off as being like the anti-Chester. Like right. he is, he's diametrically opposite and like, why are you even dating this guy? You have nothing in common with him. So I couldn't imagine, you know, I, I imagine them hating each other's hobbies and why are you, t- why are you even trying? And, and when they got them together for the second date, uh, it, it was the first time I, that they actually clicked. Right. And so it, that was, that was sweet, you know, and I yeah. don't know if, if that's, still enough for for a real long-term relationship but it was it was was a a much cuter much much nicer uh look into the the two of them i i was i was thumb upping i was very i was very hyped about them i really liked them together and nathan just needs to stop and move on like he He really needs needs to yeah but let's move on. We've been on this for a while. Next up, we're going to talk about Star Wars The Bad Batch. And this episode was very... Reunion. Yeah, it was a reunion. It was not a good one. Um, <laughs> but I have to say, the whole episode was exciting. Everything was happening. It was great. And then you get to the end, and I was like, wait. This is exactly like The Mandalorian. So, at the very end... <laughs> Uh, the little girl gets kidnapped by a bounty hunter. And I was like, wait, I've already seen this before. Why do I feel like I've seen this before? And I, I, it was, it was really disorienting. They basically have one story, you know? I yeah, mean, it was, it was a if little... There, if there's one thing we know about Star Wars, they have one story. I, I was not a fan of how this ended, but I do feel better because they've been training Omega... In weapons and in bombs and in really learning how to take care of herself. Because I was like, man, she's going to be a warrior by the time she's like a couple years from now. Um, And I think that's amazing. There's a reason they want her back so badly. There's something special about her, which we have not uncovered yet. Yes. And I'm dying to know what that is. Right, you know, I, I I've been waiting all this time for her to like do something, you know, like Jedi power, like you know, or something like that, which hasn't occurred. But I I really want to see what it is that's so special about her that they want her back so badly. Yeah, and unlike Grogu, Omega has agency and can t- articulate, tell us what she's doing. Right. Yes. Baby Grogu just coos and looks cute. So. <laughs> 
But well, no, I thought it was a solid episode. Man, uh, what's his face? Crosshair got jacked. That's up. true. He was he got all burned up. Yeah. I'm like, are you gonna be the new Dingar? <laughs> <laughs> he got burned, and I was like, see, that's what you get. You he was trying to burn them up, and then he got burned up. I was like, nice. That was nice. And as soon as they got that message, it's like, we're going to lead them to the cargo bay. I was like, he knows you guys have gone into the radio signals. It's a trap. And the fact that they couldn't figure, I was like, he knows you. You guys have to think a step. You can't just do what you normally do. So I was disappointed that they didn't figure out that he had figured them out. So boo on them. Yeah. All right. So let's wrap this one up. Uh, next up, uh, we're going to talk about the blacklist and this episode was in one way. What I really liked was they, they took every single flashback episode that the blacklist has ever done to explain the history of red and Liz's mom and her whole life. They took all of the, those flashbacks from every season and like, put them all in one episode to tell it in a linear story, which I thought was great. I just was questioning kind of the method. Like they stop time and have her mom talk to her. Like it's a hallucination. And it's all in black and white. And I was like, wait, yeah. what? Like I understand just having red, just sit there and explain it to her. could have been super boring. And they were trying to figure out how can we do exposition in a way that's entertaining? Like I get it. But it was, it threw me out. I was like, wait, who has time travel? What's happening? Are we, I was like, it took me a minute. It's not like she was drugged or something. Right. 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 And it was so weird that they did that. He was like, pay attention. Listen to the story. And I was like, what? So that part I thought didn't quite work. But the information that they gave, all of that worked. Because I was like, yep, knew that. Yep, knew that. Mm-hmm. So all of that was really good. I thought that that's a way for people who have not been paying that much attention. It was a really good way to lay everything out. So I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, what do you think, yeah. Allison? I liked it. I, you know, the one thing that I did not like it, well, but aside from the fact that, yes, it was very weird the way they delivered the information, was the fact that it, it just felt like, okay, Megan Boone is leaving, so we need to deliver this in one giant info dump. Instead of, you know, this should have been carried out a little, you know, they, they should have been more forthcoming with more information earlier. Well, I mean, so I've said this forever. Red should have been yeah. telling, yeah, Red should have been telling her this information a long time ago. Like, yeah, the fact exactly. that he took so long is ridiculous. But even even if it's not him telling her, she should have been able to, like, been putting things this together, together. Yeah. herself instead of constantly going off in the wrong direction and making, you know, chaos happen. And as as a result, it's it, instead, you know, with, and, and that would have made her look smarter by by having her put That's these true. things together. And instead, they just perpetually make her look dumb by by having her go off in, in the wrong way and then having to actually sit her down like a little kid. And tell her in black and white <laughs> what is going on. Um, and it again, once I heard that that she was leaving the show, it felt like okay. Well, we need we were gonna take like a season to do this, but instead we need we've got two episodes, and we need to dump it all. Well, I'm know, actually glad that they're doing it because this was taking forever. This really was. Well, I'm 
I'm glad to get it over with because I it's it's like enough already, but it's just so uh, you know, it's just so ham-fistedly done is the thing. It it should have been it should have been more organic. It should have been done in a way that made her look smart for figuring it out. Right. Um, Instead of Red and, being like, now listen, little girl. Back exactly. in the day, we had this thing. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Um, but so, next week's episode, yeah. they finally reveal because she keeps saying, "I constructed Ray- Raymond Reddington," and she's like, "What do you mean you constructed it?" And I was like, "Come on, put it together. Come on, you can figure this one out. <laughs> you can really, do you it." Feel like snapping your fingers at the screen and waving your hand, it's like, "Wake up!" Um, it, it, it's frustrating, but uh, you know, and it does it does make me wonder what they're going to do. Once she leaves the show, I mean, how is this new information that's going to be out there, maybe not to the wide world, but certainly to the audience, how that's going to impact on the show? So uh, I do I do wonder about that. All right. There we are. I'm still giving it a thumbs up, even though the delivery method was wonky. I'm very glad this episode happened, and I enjoyed it, actually. I did enjoy the flashbacks and explanation and kind of how they did it if... But it feels like it should a different show would do this than the show we were watching. So that's the yes. whole thing that feels weird. All right. Yeah, so I, I agree with you. Thumbs up. It was cath- in the sense that it was cathartic, but it was just mm, an art artlessly done. All right. Next up, we're going to talk about the season two premiere of Evil, and Tom will tell us why we should be watching it. Okay. Um, I really liked season one, especially the reveal in the finale that the standalone episodes weren't really standalone episodes, but they were all connected because somebody, you know, the forces of evil are manipulating, you know, children in utero to be something, including possibly our lead's daughter. And so the two of the burning questions from the first season finale are, is, um, I'm blanking on the character's name, but um, somebody somebody murders the bad guy who recurred throughout the season. It was a serial killer from the very first case in season one. And at the end of the episode, we see our hero have a pickaxe in her car <laughs> and looking kind of suspicious. And she goes to see her shrink and confesses to the murder after she makes sure that he can't narc on him because it's a past crime, not a prior crime. And she has no guilt whatsoever. And uh, so that was like, whoa. And also the freaking crucifix burns a cross in her palm, which would be an indicator that she could be possessed. So of course, um, Asif Mandi, Ben, Asif Mandi's character explains to Kristen oh, well, if the cross is made out of this material and it was made hot, then it could have that reaction. But still, she seems off. So, and and the whole plot of this episode is that Leland has been giving generously to the Catholic Church and he wants to be exercised. <laughs> and so they have to find proof. You know, they have to make a recommendation to, the I guess, the bishop or whatever, whether he should whether he should be, you know, whether an exorcism should be held for him. And the, everybody knows it's a con, but they have to be able to prove it's a con to go to the bishop. And, you know, of course, more secrets are revealed, and the devil figure 
that uh, is Leland's shrink is the same one that's in um, uh, Mike Coulter's Visions. So, I mean, basically, they, they took all the plot lines from season one, and they're really, everything's converging. So, but yeah, Lee, and they, they go to his apartment and find stuff that's not right there and found out that he stole the, you know, stole the, the maps that they had for, like, the Da Vinci Code thing about all these different, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, Ben plants a thing on, his, on Leland's computer so he could spy on him. And so he checks on it a couple times, and Leland predicts he's going to have a nightmare, which he does. And a female demon shows up, and he wakes up just as about she's threatening to bite his, uh, you know, attack him. And then at the very end of the episode, he goes back to the spy cam, and evidently Leland is also spying on him. So <laughs> everything that scared you about season one and things that you might have been frustrated about, answers not coming soon enough. Oh, and the daughter... Who, who was subjected to these weird genetic experiments has two bicuspids growing in that look suspiciously like fangs, goes to the dentist, dentist they put her under so they could reshape them, and she almost bites the dentist's finger off. It's like, holy crap. So yeah, this show is awesome. If you're into, you know, they didn't, they didn't raunch it up for... Uh, Paramount Plus, except for there's one F-bomb, and the scene where the daughter almost bites the dentist's finger off is pretty bloody. But, yeah, it's good. <laughs> All so right. thumbs up for this, I guess? Worth, worth watching if you saw season one? Yeah, if you saw, even if you haven't seen season one, I showed the pilot to my TV writing class last semester, and they loved it. They wanted more, and one of the kids actually binged it and wrote a spec for it. So, <laughs> okay. it's good. All right, so then the, the next thing we're going to talk about is uh, Sweet Tooth episodes. What episodes are we on? Uh, five and six. Five and six. All right, so I watched those yesterday, and I have to say, in the first episode, the deal with the doctor and his wife, man, his wife is becoming more and more unlikable. I really don't like her. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't have to kill kids. I want to live. Yes, I do not like the wife. Um, but there's that, that moment at the end, you know, when they finally figure out she's sick, and then they saran... What is with the saran wrap? I still don't understand that. Keep them in place. Yeah, why not just shoot them and then burn the bodies? Why are we saran wrapping them and letting them burn to death? It is a great image, you got to admit. Ah, oh, so bizarre. So, uh, the whole time that they're all saying goodbye and I love you, and, and I'm like, okay, well, they're the stars of the show, so they're not going to burn to death. So, uh, obviously, the general's coming because he knows that he's got the book. So, you're just waiting for that. So, that was just weird because that didn't have any tension. I still am not a big fan of that storyline. I still don't think that that story is particularly interesting yet. At the zoo? Not the zoo, the doctor. Oh, the doctor? Yeah. Eh. I but, mean, the thing is, it, it does feel more like filler because you've got, a, you know, your number two on the call sheet's a minor that you can only work so much. So here's the problem. If the if the actors were more interesting, because the doctor's kind of flat and his wife is unlikable, so that's like two strikes. Right. 
And I like the so, story at the zoo, though. I do, because the mom, I really like her. And I like, her name is Piglet? Or what's her name? That's her nickname for her. I forget what her real name is. But I like the two of them. I like their relationship. They're super sweet. Uh, and what's terrifying is the, what do they call themselves? The last men are the coming. Last men. Uh, so when they come to invade the zoo, that's super scary. Like I was very uncomfortable because you see all these little toddlers and stuff running away. And I was like, Oh my God, they're going to kill the kids. So that I actually thought was interesting and it was scary and it had stakes because pretty much I figured the only ones who were going to, and it looks like the mom's not going to survive. Cause she's standing there with just a shotgun waiting for them. That does not look good. Um, rough. what'd you say? I hope they don't kill off Donnie Ramirez. Um, for me, I, episode five was okay. For me, I watched episode six twice. That was my jam. The train. Oh, the train was good. Train, Stranger Danger on a Train was the name of the episode, <laughs> which, is a, which is a parody of the Hitchcock movie. But I just thought that they took a situation that could have been really rote and uninteresting or very, or very uh, formulaic and made it not so, you know, the the guy who discovers them hiding out is one of big man's old football buddies. Right. And he apparently has a brain injury. So his he like, has, he's, he, he basically is like a 12 year old. But I, but I love the fact that he ends up sacrificing himself to let them get away. Yeah. But, and, and I've, I've been suspicious of bear ever since we've met her, but it seems that she doesn't have an ulterior motive that she's on team sweet tooth. Yeah. Um, but I just thought that was a great episode. And I can't believe they got to Colorado so fast. I was like, wait, we're in Colorado? Okay. We only have two more episodes left. <laughs> well, that explains it. And um, and if they find the mom, I will be shocked. The, um, the, the general who shows up to rescue the doctor and his wife, he's the same guy who played the thinker on The Flash in season, I think it was season four. I, I don't think I recognize with all that beard. Yeah, yeah well, that season... He's terrible anyway, but... But, but I mean, like, I, I, I think he plays a sufficient... Like, he is God. literally a mustache-twirling villain. Yep. So I thought he did a good job with that. I do know the woman that is that they had the picture of for her, the mom, is an actress that I recognize, so we are probably... I thought we were going to see her in flashback, but apparently we might I actually think, see her. I think we're going to see... We're definitely going to see her in flashbacks in the next episode, because look at the title. <laughs> oh, I didn't see the title. But the cast. Uh, I... I feel bad for Sweet Tooth because I can't imagine this ending in a happy ending for him. I don't. I don't think this is uh, going to be a happy. It, it just doesn't. That's either. not this show. This show does not do that. This does not seem like the happy ending kind of show. No. Um, but it was so great when he was explaining the parachute. He was like, "He's like, it's a parachute, and people jump out of the plane." And he was, and Sweet Tooth was like, "That seems like a magical object. Who would leave such a magical object in the middle of the woods if if you had a way to jump out of a plane and." and magically land and then like over his head you see the dead body and they're like oh yeah, yeah, yeah. it's totally uh magic we were totally lying to you like that was really <laughs> i like that moment that was good that was a good yeah, moment i i just think that the uh the chemistry between the two i buy it i buy it i yeah. buy it especially considering that the big man's supposed to be this hardened you know former former last man but this kid is so freaking adorable and so innocent you want to protect him Right. He's he, he's exactly like they said, sweet tooth. So, um, but and I'm actually starting to like 
Big Man and the and Bear. They're starting. I like that they're starting to get along. So yeah, because they were both suspicious of each other. <laughs> right, with good reason, and I get why yeah. that is. Definitely. So, but thumbs up for me. All right. Next up, we're going to talk about Mythic Quest. And this, it's not the season finale or anything, but it's definitely leading up. And we finally, finally get some scenes between Poppy and Ian, which I had been lamenting about for the entire season. Um, and what's great is her idea sounded amazing. I was like, because they do his idea, and I was laughing because I play video games, and the footage that he was using, he was like, it's the best game that you've ever wanted to play, and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, that's Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Like, I was, like, all those cutscenes, I was like, I just played that game. So I was laughing about that, and then when uh, Poppy gave her presentation, her idea, I was like, oh, that's amazing. And then, of course, she broke the internet doing it. <laughs> Uh, and I was like, oh, that's why no one's ever done that before. All right. So that was actually pretty cool. I did love when, when she, she's yelling at her at her people, and the guy just tells her, you can do this or that. But, but not, not both. Right. Pick. Right. And she didn't want to accept that as a thing. And he was like, yes, that's why you broke the internet. Um, but then they're like, Ian's had a heart attack. And what's hilarious about that is she's like, oh my God, he's had a heart attack. And he's like, oh, I want my heart replaced by a tiger instead of a pig. <laughs> and the woman was like, uh, yeah, you were dehydrated. <laughs> I was, yeah, you should eat. She was like, you should eat dinner. Don't skip so many meals. And she's like, you fainted. And she's like, you fainted? I didn't faint. Guys like me don't faint. We have heart attacks. It was so funny. But then it got really serious at the end. It got really emotional. And I don't think we've seen Ian that vulnerable before in the entire series. Nope. So that was really moving. And I was I was like, Poppy, if you freaking leave right now, I was like yelling at my television. Uh, so yeah, it was good. And it ended really well. And hopefully now they will actually have an honest conversation. And even better team up thank you yes that's what this season has been missing and i understand it was all set up to get to this but it feels like they sacrificed the season for it so i'm uh yeah like i um go ahead i, I rewatched the two episodes about cw i think those are like some of the best episodes they've ever done but yeah. i would agree i think the season as a whole has suffered because of not utilizing the relationship between Ian and Poppy enough. And I was happy about the ending of this episode. And there's only one episode left because they only did nine. They didn't do 10. Yep. So it's only one more next week. Um, I, uh, yeah. Oh, and then as just as a Easter egg or whatever a video game. So like mythic quest, all the video game stuff in mythic quest is done by Ubisoft. Yep. That's why, you see Assassin's Creed because it's like, oh, that's Ubisoft. That makes, it, I mean, but like, not just one clip. Like they used the the basically the tra the teaser trailer for Assassin's Creed. They used almost the whole thing. Oh, did what I thought, the, the, but the fun Easter egg, which I guess they must have gotten permission from Sony from, is they also showed Horizon Zero Dawn. Oh right, I saw that. Yeah, 
And I'm assuming the reason they do that is because Ash- Ashley Birch, who plays Rachel, she's right. the voice of Aloy. So I was like, oh, that's kind of a fun Easter egg that they're showing that game, and that's actually, like, the voice of Rachel. My one thing I'm curious about is, um, like, are, is, are Rachel and – what's the girlfriend's Dana. name? What is it? Dana. Are Rachel and Dana, the whole going to Berkeley, like – would that mean they're off the show, or is that like a summer program? Like, I feel like that... it, would, it would mean I feel that they're going to college, so it would be. The, I think that would be they were off the show. That seems crazy to me. That I was like, you can't lose those two characters. I mean, like I think they find a way to figure out how to keep them on. You know, TV logic. Yeah, I guess. Oh, so. we gave oh. you credit for all the stuff you've been doing, so you can finish up <laughs> faster. Yeah. Um, but I I was very happy though that Rachel. You know what? I'll say that um, this season they focused on sometimes characters I didn't care about. Like um, who's the guy who thinks he's a wolf? David. David. Oh yeah. 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 Like, the David stuff's okay. But I will say I loved mid season when Rachel had the conversation in the car with Ian, and Ian's like, "This is like the elevator. This is your moment to like." pitch what you want to do and she doesn't know and finally now because she read cw she read peter's book which she's like it's terrible but i was actually moved like (laughs) i like like that she's like you know what i think that's what i want to do i was like oh that's cool i was like okay so now she does have a game like now she knows what she wants i was like so so that that was satisfying i was i was happy that they did that so so yeah i hope the finale is good this week so we'll see um, but yeah, I would say it's been a mixed season, but I really love those CW episodes. That was really interesting when Rachel was talking about Peter's book saying he, it's not great, but he made me feel because that's the thing is right. Sometimes you've got people who are not great technical writers, but they have the ability to, to extract emotion, to you know, to make, to give you catharsis somehow, and your goal is to try to get them to meld those two. So, I I really like the character development of Rachel was kind of settled this season because they kind of gave her this journey, but they didn't make it outright. They threaded it in in B plots throughout several episodes right, until right. we got here, which I thought was very clever. And since she's on the writing staff, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> All right, so we're saying th- this episode was definitely a thumbs up. Oh, yeah, yeah, thumbs up. Definitely. All right. All right. Uh, so that's all we have for you this week. If you have any questions or comments, send them to tvcampfire gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, uh, sci-fi.radio, Weenopolis, and iTunes. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.